Welcome back to the Chartwell Chronicles. I'm Colin Davis, and we have a fun one today. We're heading down to the land of CNN, the Weather Channel, and Coke, heading down to Georgia. We brought in uh, Robert Luskin to talk about employment law. Uh, and before we get to him and have, have you introduce him, uh, just a reminder that Chartwell Law is more than just uh, workers' compensation. We have a multi uh, multiple different areas of law from a multitude of practice areas in 29 different offices. And you can visit us at chartwelllaw.com. And you can send us an email for related to the podcast at podcast at chartwelllaw.com. And now let me introduce uh, Robert Luskin. Hey, Robert. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. It's 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 fun talking to somebody down in Georgia. I know that uh, there was a little heated uh, battle with the uh, offices recently when the Phillies were playing the Braves. And yeah, that was that was uh, it was fun. I was lucky enough to make it to at least the the one game we won uh, here in Atlanta, uh, so that at least could send some good pictures back to my Philly uh, uh, my Philly friends. Um, but we both had the both Philly and Atlanta had the had to go watch the uh, the Diamondbacks go and lose to the Rangers the other day. Yeah, I know. It was pretty funny seeing the emails coming back and forth. But uh, you brought us a pretty cool topic today. We're going to talk employment law, which is your your area of practice, right? It is. It is. I, we're going we're gonna to chat a little bit about employment law. Um, I've been practicing. I'm entering into my – it's either 22 or 23 years, depending on when you figure out when you actually – your start date is. Uh, but actually uh, – uh, I started practicing in 2001, started doing employment law in uh, about 2005, um, was sort of a uh, natural progression from some of the work that I did um, in the GL world and started doing it. And uh, I like it. Uh, it's a great variety of stuff. I love helping employers, um, both on the litigation side, I'm a litigator, um, but also on the risk management, risk assessment um, and advice and counsel side. And it's great, and having a, a platform like we have at Chartwell is good because I've got so many other uh, folks in other offices and other jurisdictions where if I need something, they're there, um, and I can provide them advice. Yeah, it it's great. I, I when we started out with the podcast, we were pretty New Jersey centric almost for the first year. I mean, our biggest uh, jump out was to some cross jurisdictional with some PA and uh, New York people from the office. But as our listeners know, we've started to expand to other areas of the firm, and it's awesome. One Georgia, but I know you do other air, other states as well, and then the employment area, which is something I'm not too familiar, and you're way you have way more experience on that. So I'll let uh, there's a couple topics you wanted to address today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no. I, so I wanted to kind of do this today. Um, I've been working, like I said, I work primarily in Georgia. Um, I also admitted in Tennessee. But the nice thing about employment um, is while there are state-specific laws, and we'll talk a little bit about that, there are the, the federal laws are the ones that predominate, with exception in uh, places like California, uh, which is has its own sort of uh, more restrictive state laws than they do uh, federal laws. Um, so it's a good opportunity for us to talk to our listeners um, and sort of our topics today are basically, you know, the top five uh, issues that um, we see that are facing employers today. Um, sitting here in, you know, the end of 2023, hard to believe, you know, there were a lot of predictions um, of what this was going to be like in 2022. And so those are the topics. And then I, I'm just going to run down them real quick and then we'll kind of get into them. Um, 
you know, there's been a lot of press about a couple of these. Um, one is the classification of workers. Um, and it, those people that are in maybe in the workers' comp arena uh, are familiar with some of this when you're dealing with independent contractors versus employees. Um, and so there's so just, people always think, you know, the number one thing I hear from people all the time that maybe are not in our world that we live in on the comp or the liability side and the employment side, you hear people say, well, I'm a 1099 employee. Well, those things don't work. 1099 right. is a tax form. You know, employee is a is a legal definition. Right. Yeah. All the time you'll get the, oh, I'm an independent contractor. And it's like, well, maybe. <laughs> yes. And that maybe part is what the court is, what the Department of Labor just announced. I mean, hot off the presses. We did a, an article about it that we sent that we put up on the on the website and got uh, and linked into that. Um, the other issue, the number two issue right now, and people are still facing it, is what to do with non-competes and non-disparagement provisions. Um, the Federal Trade Commission uh, issued out some rulings that kind of threw everything into a real mess of people trying to figure out, well, what do I do going forward? But more concerned is what are we doing in the past? We have people with non-competes that they signed in 2020 when they came out of the, or 2022 when they're coming out of the pandemic. Are these good? Are they not good? Uh, what do we do with them? Um, Interesting, and that's it is another one of those not litigated yet, but is affects employers, affects uh, carriers, affects attorneys across the country when you're doing your releases. Right. And non-competes are everywhere. People don't realize it. I have friends call me all the time. I have a buddy that's in the oil industry and he's like, yeah, can you take, take a look at this? I was like, well, I don't know it well, but I mean, I remember my first year of law school and I feel like all I wrote about was non-competes. That was like every, every law school essay. Exactly. Exactly. The thing in law, it's the first thing. It's like, it's anti-freedom of contract. And that's the right. thing, you know, you're, so, um, but it's interesting um, and how that's going to play out. Um, another one that again, employers face, um, maybe not seeing a lot of litigation yet, but yeah, we do a lot of advice for are uh, the pay transparency laws. Um, you have certain states out there that now have very specific pay transparency issues. When you post a job, you have to post the pay. You, um, it has to be in there in the job postings. New York City is a big one for that. Um, and several of the Western states um, and then other states up in New England. Um, it's a major issue. Um, and failure to do so can subject you to you know, some penalties, but it also more importantly for an employer can really open up the door for litigation because people are always looking for another avenue sometimes for class actions um, and for other avenues to get into uh, litigation. Interesting. I assume that number they post is their bottom line number and then that that's the way they can cover it's themselves. Usually, yeah, it's usually a range. And so okay. uh, you, the, this position is a very narrow, a very a fairly narrow uh, number, um, but sometimes it's also uh, this is what the pay of the the last person that was in this job. This is what okay. it is. So you end up with a it's an avenue to avoid, and it's something that may be necessary. And we can be you know, depending on which side of the uh, which side of the V sometimes you fall, um, but the transparency aspect of it is important because it is an, it 
prevents or in some cases allows for um, litigation associated with, uh, you know, pay disparity. Interesting. That, that'll be a fun one. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that ultimately develops out and what other states do, do right. with it. Um, the other two things um, we have are uh, the topic of whatever everybody always talks about, AI, right? Artificial intelligence in the workplace. Um, it's not just, you know, you know, running programs on your computer. Um, it's the use of AI in the employment process. And the EOC, we'll talk about a little bit. The EOC has issued some guidance out there about that. Um, when you sub send in your resume, goes through a job posting board, the computer's picking it out, and you know it's doing its own uh, you know searches. And so the use of AI in the employment selection process uh, is a major thing, and it's uh, it's already ramping up. Uh, the EOC has issued guidance out about it now, and several states are already putting restrictions on it. I'm sure. I mean, like as everybody hears in the news, like ChatGPT is the first one that comes to mind. But I know Google's popping one out that they just yeah. warned about. Um, and it's crazy because whoever wrote the algorithm, while it's supposed to be unbiased, it's you're you're, you're in you have you'll your you code a certain way and you, you do it. So I'm sure on on its face it sounds like a great idea because it's it could be as neutral as humanly possible. But Correct. at the same time, you could cater it to be like, hey, we use AI, but it's neutral. But in reality, it's really skewed one way or the other so that that's that's it. i didn't even think of that so fun thing about getting to talk about these topics i don't normally do yeah and then the last one I, i'm going to is sort of a, a the catch-all and it's the i call it the what you don't know uh situation um it used to be very simple you had the federal laws title seven with the traditional uh you know anti-discrimination um, anti-harassment provisions. Then some states started getting into it. Okay, it's easy enough to find. It's a state code. Now we have local jurisdictions and that have their own rules and laws. And it makes it very difficult uh, for employers to try to figure out what laws do I have to, do I need to be applying with? Um, you know, I use the Crown Act for for a uh, an example dealing with um, you know with hair, um, basically dealing with the natural the way we wear hair naturally. Um, some cities have their own ordinances. Uh, same okay. thing with accommodations uh, for ADA um, and other areas. So you're like, I'm in Georgia. Georgia doesn't have a law, but wait a minute, the city of Atlanta does. Okay, well, where's my office location? Is it the city of Atlanta? Because the city of Atlanta is actually not not exceptionally large, um, it's a you know it's the metro Atlanta area for a reason. I right. use that example. You know, what if you're in Snellville or in Gwinnett County, or if you're in Marietta over in Cobb County? People tell you you're still from Atlanta, but you're not because you have a different city. You have a different application of, of maybe a local ordinance. Uh, yeah, I can I can definitely see how that can get confusing, especially for the more uh, national. Um national companies uh, for sure because i mean we, we occasionally see that with comp in new jersey like some mate like I, I dealt with somebody who was out in california predominantly and they had one driver who happened to pop in the and trying to explain to them that no we got to do it this, this way is always 
it's always fun to do and it's always crazy to see how drastically different it can be so uh why don't we go into the classification of workers that that's a pretty uh important topic like you said the 1099 people think it's 1099 versus w2 and that's the end all right that's that's you know that's how it used to be it was like wait a minute i'm an independent contractor that's enough i get a 1099 that's how i get paid um it's not the end all um anymore it actually hasn't been the end all in a while um unfortunately that's just what the you know most people who don't have an issue um you know, think and it operates, but like if, like many t- times, the litigation usually arises out of a few and expands out. Um, so, what recently came out, and when I say recently, I really mean you know, hot off the presses, um, October twenty sixth of twenty twenty three, uh, the National Labor Relations Board, which is sort of responsible for issuing the the rules associated with. Uh, this is it, this deals primarily with joint employer as well. Um, so there's, if you think about a situation where somebody might actually, you know, working as a, you know, working with a general contractor and then sometimes with a sub or right. um, maybe they are an independent contractor or a temp agency. So they're being assigned to an employee, you know, a certain location. Um, these are sort of the, the, the overview and the NLRB came back and said, all right, we're reversing what's known as the Trump era um, rules and regulations. Um, and that's the sort of the, the political hazard that we have in this country with some of our organizations, whether it's the EEOC, the NLRB, is the leadership of the party of the presidency uh, gets to place the people on the board right and that there's there's strategy that especially because i had in actually an undergrad i had a uh professor who taught labor law who was a staff attorney of one of the nlrb uh uh position sitters and he used to tell crazy stories about how it was so yeah i get that and i know it's it's something that changes it it can change so drastically from one administration to the next, which obviously it's good to have you on to be able to explain through that. Yeah. And so there's, there's sort of a, I call it a seven step approach. There's seven, seven different prongs to look at. Um, and they would be, all right, when we're trying to figure out who, you know, do you work for one employee? Do you have joint employee? Are you an independent contractor? Are you an employee? You look at first the pay, right? How are you paid? Um, you know, is it wages? Do you get benefits? Independent contractors generally don't get benefits because they are, by definition, independent. Um, do you receive other types of compensation? Is there a bonus associated with your work? Or are you straight by the piece, by the hour, you know, by the by the load, however you might get paid? Um, the second piece is what are your hours and who sets them? Uh, traditionally, as an independent contractor, you set your own hours. Now, you set your own hours perhaps within the parameters of the job. So maybe you're doing a construction project and uh, the time of construction is from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m., but you might set your own hours during that time frame versus someone telling you, you got to show up at 6 a.m. and you can't leave till 4 p.m. Right. Now, That's somebody- a pretty big difference. That's a pretty pretty big difference, and that sometimes people think it's 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 not in reality, but it is because that's a huge 
that's a huge difference. If you say I got, if, cause I can be any, if I control my own hours, but you're open nine to five, well, I can be anywhere nine to five. But if you say I got to be there nine to five, it's totally different. Right. You've lost the control over, you know, your own abilities. Um, and you see that on the workers comp side all the time. There's always this question as it was an employee or an independent contractor. Um, the other ones are basically who assigns the duties. It's control, um, supervision of the performance. Do I have someone who I'm reporting to on a regular basis where I'm not really controlling my own work? I've got somebody supervising it. Um, who's setting those work rules? Basically, where are you wearing a uniform? You know, what is your, you know, what do you, who do you talk to? Who can you, you know, we have several, you see several contractors that if asked, you're not allowed to say anything other than the company that actually hired you. Um, so now they're controlling your outward appearance. Um, they look at things like uh, the other, one of the other prongs is who can hire and who can fire. You know, if you can, if you can be fired by someone, uh, it looks much more like an employee situation than if you are, uh, it's just a contract situation. And then lastly, setting up uh, safety and health conditions um, where people relate to. And and I'm most and most for most of these, obviously they're they're pretty cut and dry. It's pretty clear. But I'm guessing, like you mentioned, the construction area where you got generals, subs, that kind of thing. That's where a lot of this is is in. I yeah. assume. Yeah, the most of your stuff that you have to look out for, and for you know, sort of a little, sort of a little practical tip takeaway for folks that might be listening. Um, don't just the number one thing is don't just take their word for it. So if you're a practitioner on whatever side you are, don't just say. Okay, fine. That's what you say. No, I, I set my own hours. Well, you got to do some digging. You've got to find out really if that's indeed the case. Um, so it's the, 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 where we start having the, the bigger things are who's setting the rules, who's setting the guidelines, who are you actually independent or are you actually taking direction uh, from folks? Right. Yeah. We, we have some of that in comp a little when we, we deal with like staffing agencies and the actual employer. So I, I have some with the, no, they'll know the digging part of it. So yeah, that, that definitely can, uh, can cause some issues if you start going down a line and later find out, Oh crap, that <laughs> they're actually, uh, they're actually yeah. might be an employee officially or officially. In, it, I assume it's, I would assume it's better to find out later they're an independent contractor than an employer employee. Maybe. It makes it easier, it's, except when uh, you can use workers' comp exclusive remedy to provide you with a defense. Um, right. But yeah, so usually in, in, in our world, um, when we start digging into it, we're like, okay, wait a minute, this person's not an employee. This person was an independent contractor. Um, but you, it's something that you want to evaluate early on. Um, you do want to get the pay information, obviously. Um, right. But you definitely want to evaluate early on, get the handbooks. I mean, if the person signed a handbook, what does it look like? You know, independent contractors generally don't sign employee manuals. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it seems pretty, pretty, it seems mostly pretty obvious when you, when you actually do the digging. So that, that's pretty, that's yeah. pretty helpful to everybody. I, for sure. And 
uh, I'm sure we'll we'll discuss that going forward too. But uh, the, the non-compete thing that that's always fun to me because they they all you always the easiest one to uh, to show people with that is like you watch a news reporter on your one local channel and they disappear for six or eight months and then pop up <laughs> on another local channel and you're like oh I guess their non-compete's over. Right. So it, it it's typically a time period where you're not allowed to work for someone in the same field industry, but the courts have. At least the way I remember reading, they, they're pretty. They they try to limit them as much as possible because, um, like you said, they they are usually overbroad in their their draw when they're drawn up. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I, you you hit it right on the head there. I mean, that was a really good example uh, about somebody disappears for a while. Like, where are they? And all of a sudden, they reappear and exactly that. Now, I can't talk to you for six months, right? Um, but then on six months, and it, but everybody, you see, it's like, you know sort of like the tampering rules in the in the NFL or something. Right. Um, but you have, um, yeah, it's, it's generally uh, restricted by time, uh, by geography, um, and by area of work. Um, those are sort of the three things that you would see, and they are disfavored. Um, in most jurisdictions, the courts said, look, you know, it kind of – we went through a we went through a, a a a period of time where non competes became favored, and all of a sudden everybody was doing them because it was a competitive battle between the states. Um, it was there's a little bit of his history behind it. Is when if three states that surround you allow for non competes, and one state and the and you don't, there is a competitive advantage for companies that want to restrict. You know, you taking our stuff and go into the next person, especially in sales positions. Right, and and you mentioned that the the geographic region, like being, I, I'm just outside of Philadelphia, so I mean, I could be in Philly, New Jersey, or Delaware in twenty in twenty five minutes, and that's a drastically different thing than maybe being in the center of Georgia uh, or the center of Texas. Like you're there's, right. there's way less way less um, stuff around. Correct. And um, but with this new rule through that they're they're putting out there from the Federal Trade Commission, essentially non-competes will be dead. That's I'm actually happy. I'm happy to hear about that. Like I said, I, I remember it from law school and I, I, I'm like I've read a couple of, of like I said, I have a buddy in the oil industry and that reading I'm just like, man, I, I can remember like this is this is awful. Like they, they try to be as broad as humanly possible and hope something in their sticks if they get if they get hit on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, where it, it it where I understand it, and this there is some wiggle room in some of these non compete language under the FTC is you've got some pretty um, if you have a very technical uh, background or a sales background or you're in sales, I mean, it does not restrict. You know, there's still it. It does not change your intellectual property rights um, or maybe your fiduciary obligations or your you know your sales documents, but with every, it used to be you'd have to go take a, and not too long ago, if you wanted your sales stuff, you took your Rolodex um, or your calendar and you've got all the sales information right. um, for all your people. Now everybody's got it on their phones and it's backed up to the cloud and, you know, two or three different, you know, other ways to have all this access. And uh, so it's, it's a little bit antiquated from that mindset. And so right. I think yeah. that's the biggest issue. It's, you know, is is there a specific state or a couple states that caused the FTC to push it this way, you think, or just yeah. kind of technology advanced? 
I think it was a combination of technology advancing. Uh, the administration was a the the Biden administration really pushed this thing. Um, there were, but it's there were a lot of Republican uh, uh, legislators that were behind it as well because it really is. It's sort of a it's a it's a violation of freedom of contract in the grand thing. I can go work for whoever I want, wherever I want. Um, that concept. Right. And this actually kind of ties in pretty good to the, those pay transparency laws because it sounds like a similar, essentially a similar concept. And I, I remember first applying to jobs way back when you go to on one of those uh, job websites and they have a general listing and you don't know if it's accurate or not. But what I guess my understanding now is based on these, you're saying they're, they're pretty accurate. And if they're not there, you get in trouble is how it works. Yeah. So for these pay transparency laws, um, you'd be subject to civil penalties, um, civil damages. There could be other relief opportunities that you could be sued over it. Um, and it could be as simple as I made a posting. I'm in, you know, my company's in Wisconsin, but I'm putting a posting out there uh, for a job that is is national um, and could be located in New York City. And so they're going to be putting people in New York City. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, how is this going to apply? Because there are very specific rules in New York and in other states on this pay transparency. It has not gained full traction yet across the country. Um but I expect it will. Um, this is one that I, my prediction is that we will continue to see this uh, become almost commonplace um, in states. And there's really no reason not to. I mean, the, the battle was always, it's the combination of, well, if I put the list, if I put it out there and I say, this is a, this job is sixty to $70,000 or sixty to $80,000, depending upon experience. If I put it out there, then if I were if in an interview and I would say, so, you know, I'd really like to let's talk a little bit. What are your salary requirements? And you said, you know what, I'd really like to make $50,000. Right. And you didn't have it, you know, posted at 60 to 70. You might be like, all right, well, this person's willing to do the job for $50,000. It's freedom of contract, right? We get back to this right. the same concept versus... Uh, if it's, if it's jobs posted for this range, um, it allows for a little bit more, it avoids the pay disparity issues that you have out there, which is important. I assume too, it also helps with the, I guess, competitiveness that you'd want as an employer as well, where you're getting people that say, okay, well, it's, there's nothing there. So it could be super low. I don't want to bother throwing my resume out when in react and it probably also, um, weeds out some of the less qualified people too, depending on where that pay range obviously is. I think it does. It, will, it, will, it weeds out those that are perhaps are overqualified um, and other, and maybe less qualified. It also uh, gives you an opportunity. And, and look, we're getting back to technology. That's the world we live in. Um, you do a search. You can, you know, you're searching for a house. You can put your parameters in. If you're searching right. for a car. You can put your parameters in. Um, this is how it plays out. It, it, it's it's pretty interesting, and I, I, I that takes you to the next part, which I I was excited to hear you wanted to talk about was the AI and work because it, it's such a cool topic. I mean, it's it's terrible because you think of Terminator and uh, Skynet, but uh, 
<laughs> and the, the, all the negatives, but it, it, at least right now it's controlled. And I know there's a pretty big uh, divide with some of the big names like Elon Musk and Bill Gates are sitting on opposite sides of whether it should be throttled back and whatnot. But it's interesting to hear about it in the hiring process because it, I think it's twofold. Like I didn't even think of the one you mentioned earlier where you're putting all the resumes in. The other, the one you usually hear is, "Hey, like the fast food places are the they're they're taking out regular workers for robots." But the the one that's more interesting to me, I think, is the the hiring process. Yes, it is. It is going to be. I mean, this is going to be a hot button issue with the EEOC. They've already issued a rule. Well, I call it a rule. Um, they've guidance on basically how the tools are utilized. What's the algorithm? Because as you pointed out, these are created by someone and there are going to be algorithmic biases associated with it, it whether it's minimal or not, or, you know, but it's, you know, the goal and the concept is, well, I'm going to be able to have the system help, you know, find me the best candidate based upon all the parameters that I put in there. But again, you've got to put in parameters. So it's right. not a it's not a perfect system. Um, it should get rid of some of the bias uh, because it should automatically essentially pull out individuals and resumes that it would be racially uh, neutral, um, you know, gender neutral, because it's looking at you know, skill sets or you know, specific things. Yeah. If you're looking for a specific, like uh, uh, I did a lot of contract uh uh, like, con like the doc review stuff before I started um, my first legal job. And you you could have a JD or you could have, or you had to be barred. And obviously uh, uh, it'd be easy to throw in uh, an algorithm. Hey, I need only barred attorneys or in this state and it would weed out. So I can see how that, that could be good. That can be a good thing. But at the same time, you could cater it to uh, essentially like you're saying, it's a good thing, but in reality, you're using it to say, hey, I'm really trying to just get. And, and I'll tell you from a legal perspective, it's very interesting. There's a very interesting piece to this. So one of in the, in the world that I live in, in the employment world, one of the big things is intent. Okay. Did you just like, did you discriminate? Did you specifically, and you know, you could accidentally discriminate against somebody, but in this, these situations, it's I hired person A over person B. Well, why did you do that? Well, the way the law generally reads is, you know, I did that. I could do it because I like their smile better than person B. That is generally okay. Yeah, they were had a, they had a happy happy demeanor, happy disposition. Um, okay, but you have stated now a, a non discriminatory, a non protected reason. However. Uh, you know, if you selected person A over person B because of, you know, gender, race, sex, uh, that is not allowed. Uh, you cannot do that. Um, the goal on this AI would be it takes that decision making, that intent out. And some companies were going to use this, and I still think can, although there are going to be a lot more restrictions, to use it as a, a defense. Wait a minute. Right. We... We took the discriminatory intent completely out of this. There was nothing here. It was a computer. 
This almost sounds like it's going to set up exactly like the affirmative action case that just came down with the Supreme Court. I just I I mean, it's 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 kind of the opposite, but it definitely this this is one. that I think we'll be talking about a year or two from now for sure and having you back on because I yeah, like you said, it's it it. It, it's probably easier to use it as a defense than it is anything because you can say, look, I, I put in, these are the parameters I put in. It's not my fault that this is what kicked out because then you have to go into the, well, even though there's that algorithm, you have the, the, the parameters you put in. So you put in your parameters, which are in technically a bias in a way, because you're looking from point A to point B, you have the, the creator of it. So who's, who's at fault at that point? And, yeah, this 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 could get this could get very interesting. It can it can get very interesting, and then if you throw the the extra wrinkle of companies that rely on third parties to do their hiring and presenting their candidates, whether it's one of the, all the various web portals that are out there, or you know the Indeeds and those type things, they're using. I mean, it's one of those. Well, if you're not using AI, are you behind the times? Right. And same thing with, I was just thinking like the recruiters, like recruiters that, uh, set up stuff for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, like you said, it, it's making the, the non-competes essentially obsolete for reasons. And at the same time, it's the, the, the transparency is making it more open and then bam, we're here AI well, telling us that. And I'll tell you where, where the people that aren't probably in favor of it, um, and are going to like it is all the folks in it that are now going to be part of your HR department. Right. Because you really were going to end up having that. You're going to have, you know, no longer is HR professional just going to be dealing with benefits and recruiting and bringing people on board there and, and knowing what the law is, it's going to be, you know, the IT team will be involved in it saying, no, here are the, here's the algorithm we used. Here are the parameters we put into this. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the thing I always ask when uh, clients always ask, hey, uh, this guy's an, uh, can we fire this guy even though they have a work injury? And it's like, well, technically, yes, they're an at-will employee. So if there's legitimate reasons, but at the same time, if they can show any of these reasons, you're going to get not. And it's it's kind of that same argument just in the hiring process. And I mean, the there, there's some pretty I, I, I can't imagine this doesn't go up because I mean, I remember reading those cases in law school at, and about all the different discriminations, uh, what's protected, what's not protected. I mean, I'm sure you'll see this in the housing market as well. The AI will start running down with mortgages and loans. So this this is a. This could be a crazy. Uh, this could be crazy. We'll definitely come back and yeah. have a, t- a conversation on this. And then there's a last point you said. It's the what you don't know. So that one kind of intrigued me a bit because I I don't know much about employment law. <laughs> sure, and and this is the it's the tough spot for employers. Um, and I'm not talking about your Fortune 500, Fortune 200 companies. They're the folks that have the financial capabilities likely to have large HR departments, to have access to, um, on a regular basis, counsel. Um, Maybe they have embedded counsel or, or, you know, in-house counsel, or they have, you know, know, outside counsel frequently. These are the issues of the more, the battles between the local ordinances and the state and federal laws. Um, You know, you can't have your... Your issues of, for example, I use the Crown Act, um, where some states have the Crown Act, um, and you know the Crown Act deals with the way you wear your hair, 
Um, some states do not have a crown law, but the local jurisdiction or local county does. Also depends on where you happen to live, whether the, you have a county, you have a city, you have a township, uh, you know, a parish, uh, depending on whatever the, the whatever you know location um, you are, and it can change as quickly as walking across the street. You go from one city to the other, but it's not just on like crown. I mean, you have pregnancy leave laws, you have uh, general leave laws, FMLA type laws, um, paid leave laws. Um, Illinois has a pay, and Chicago have paid leave laws where. Traditionally, the Family Medical Leave Act is unpaid for, for, 12, for 12 weeks. Um, you have some states where it's no longer unpaid, it's now paid um, or paid at a certain level. Um, same thing with uh, certain uh, situations related to any type of disability claims, um, you know, pregnancy claims. So it's the tough spot that employers, especially I call them the mom and pops, Right. You know, the, the, the folks owning that own the gas station or maybe they own a cleaners um, um, or a restaurant and they've got a number of employees. They've got maybe 20 employees slash independent contractors. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> they got, they've got some people that would apply, but they're in the city and they didn't know that they were unintentionally violating a statute. Right. Yeah. And or like when they find out that they have uh, one more or one less employee than they're supposed to when it comes to the benefits. And who knows, you're in that random unincorporated county in Georgia that you pass on 95 that I don't know why they're unincorporated. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, exactly true. And that's and that's why I say is the toughest thing, the thing that faces employers. I, I, I represent a lot of those folks that are truly trying to do a good job. Um, trying to make a good place for people to work, and they've unintentionally violated a statute potentially. And like you mentioned, the mom and pop. So, like, say you're outside the city limits of let's use Atlanta as the example, but you want to expand and you move in, and you're that would be when that would be like an example. You, you could have to change dress. So, if you open when you open the second one, and it, it does have that rule that you have to abide by, like the crown the crown act, like you mentioned, do you have to apply that in your the one that's you don't have to apply in the one that's not in it, just yeah. the one that it's in. It's okay. Correct. But I will tell you, if you're running a, a, a store um, or a restaurant, it's easier to have consistency right. uh, where possible because um, you just don't have, you're not big enough. Right. Which is essentially what they're trying to do with some of these acts where if you get in and they, they can streamline it across the it's kind of like what, I don't know if this is officially employment. It's like what California just did with the way meat and uh, meat is officially, uh, our farmers are allowed to have meat in their state. Right, you have that. I mean, you saw it. Uh, the the one of the first things I saw it was years ago um, was when there was a big push about uh, weapons in cars on the workplace in a parking lot. Some states allowed it, some states didn't. Some jurisdictions allowed it, some states, some jurisdictions didn't. Um, sometimes they were prohibited. You could not, it was against the law to prohibit you from having a properly licensed, you know, weapon in your trunk, for example. But it depended on what jurisdiction you were in. And it right. can get very confusing, especially some of these folks like, I mean, you mentioned like New Jersey or where you live, might live outside of Philly or if you live in a border area. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Like I, I, I'm in New Jersey and I'll, I'll have friends that hunt and they'll be like, can I do, do that? I'm like, dude, don't even think about it. It's not worth it. It's yeah. It's, it's crazy to see all those different uh, things. And this, this was a blast. I hope you uh, enjoyed this because I had a fun time. I mean, I, like I said, when I hear employment law, you can you think it's a little boring, but all these top, I mean, they were exactly where you fit. You, you don't really think is an employment law, like the AI thing. I wasn't even, that wasn't even on my thought when we were talking about this originally. Yeah. The one thing I learned a while ago, and I, and I try to tell all the attorneys, like we've got 30 folks here in our Atlanta office, um, over all different areas of, of law and some of the folks, you know, across the country, you know, you may not be an employment lawyer, um, but employment law actually permeates all of it. Um, right. If you think about it, if you're a truck driver, if you're a, if you do transportation work, like a lot of folks in our firm do, well, is your driver an employee? Is he an independent contractor? Is he both? You know, where does he fit on a joint employer? Yeah, there's there's a lot of times where I'll they'll, I'll get asked a question like I mentioned with the hiring of hire, the firing of at will employees. They're like, hey, this is how you you you're allowed to do it. But it's like, hey, I I don't do employment law, so don't take my word for it. I could refer you to somebody, no problem. And it's it, it's crazy how intricate and interwoven it is. And yeah, this this is going to be a with the technology change coming. I mean, we. It, it's 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 going to be crazy in the next couple of years for sure, especially the, the AI component. No, oh, absolutely. No, it's been enjoyable. I've enjoyed chatting about it. It's, it's going to be like the actual version of Y2K that they predicted. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> when everybody had to run out and get no, new computers because it wasn't going to turn over the date. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, th thank you, Robert, for joining us. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Chartwell Chronicles. Uh, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you have any questions, topics you want to discuss, um, we'll have definitely have to have Robert back on again, because this AI thing and the pay transparency, that definitely sounds like uh, something we'll be dealing with going forward. So uh, if, you, if you have any topics, feel free to email us at uh, podcast at chartwelllaw.com. And thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure.